0: Uh, next week, we're going to start a new series in the Lord's Prayer, uh, a pretty uh, a familiar topic. But I actually want to spend three uh, sessions on the Lord's Prayer just because uh, there's a lot we can get out of that. And, you know, it's one of those things that we need to refresh ourselves again and again and take another look at the Lord's Prayer and how do we actually connect with the living God in a, a meaningful way. So uh, hopefully, you'll be able to join us for that three part series. Uh, coming up uh, next week. But uh, today I want to look at uh, an Old Testament story. And, you know, when you watch a movie or you read a good book, uh, one of the things that makes a movie fun, or if you like these detective type movies or whatever, uh, you know, you don't want the story to be predictable. And uh, so Uh, Today, we're going to be looking at a story which is very unpredictable. In in fact, it's so unpredictable that it kind of makes you feel a little bit uneasy uh, because the way things are supposed to happen in our brains as believers and the way this story unfolds in the Bible uh, just doesn't go the way it should go. Uh, And the people that are being blessed are not the people that are supposed to be blessed. And The people that are supposed to be blessed aren't the people getting blessed and it's just one of those wonderful stories. Uh, So uh, I want to look at this story today, but uh, I've uh, titled this message, and if you've got a bulletin insert, you'll notice uh, I've titled it, Being Refreshed by God, but Not Being Bored with Church. You know, how do we be refreshed by God without being bored with church? And so uh, many folks, uh, you know, we come to church and uh, we should come on a regular basis and for many it's just a stimulating experience and that's what it should be uh, for others you you've been a believer for a long time it's a lifelong thing and uh, you know how do you come in week in and week out and get meaning out of church service which is what you should get uh a, a church should never be bored uh and uh i uh, do have a role in that uh I know uh, it's pretty easy for preachers or pastors uh, like myself to just like bore you to death. It's like not that difficult to do. Uh, You know, I can just speak in a monotone and just keep speaking, read from my notes. And, you know, and then that's that. Uh, So I do have a role to play. I I, I realize that. But on the other hand, I'm not like fully responsible for you. You know, I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to connect you with the living God. And and so uh, we want to do that. But this story does make us think. Uh, It is a story which uh, I think is applicable to all of us in one way or another. And uh, maybe we could call this story, another way of titling it would be, uh, it's a story about Gehazi. And so maybe I could title this the Gehazi Syndrome. And you'd say, well, what the heck is the Gehazi Syndrome? I would say the Gehazi Syndrome is for that syndrome that happens when you just come to church and you just get bored with church and you don't even notice God. You're just noticing everything else and you just fall into the syndrome and you just become grumpy and, you know, finally bad things happen. Uh, So uh, I I know that we want want good things for you to happen. So let me just pray uh, as we go uh, before we launch out. Uh, I just invite the presence of the Holy Spirit. Lord God, I know that uh, you need to fill me. Uh, so that I can preach your word. And Lord, I pray for your people, that they would indeed be blessed. And Lord, we just thank you that your word does something in us. Lord, that you tell us it never comes back void. Lord, you tell us that it's sharper than a two-edged sword. And so, Lord, I just pray for your word today that uh, you would uh, revive us, refresh us, uh, transform us, uh, change us uh, by listening and applying what it is that you're saying by your spirit today. In your name, Jesus. Amen. If you've got a Bible, uh, open it, if you would, to Second uh, Kings chapter 5. And uh, because it's a, a long section that I want to uh, tackle the whole story. So I'm in a little bit of a dilemma because if I read it, uh, my fear is that I will put you to sleep. Uh, not because there's anything wrong with the story, but because there's something wrong with my ability to read it. Uh, and it being so long. So I am going to elect to tell you the story. Uh, Your challenge is going to be if I'm telling the story truthfully or if I'm just like adding to the story. So the way you'll know if I'm like embellishing the story, adding to the story, making it a story that's not really there or not really the way it's told, is you can spend the next uh, week uh, just uh, reading the story and comparing what I said and what your Bible says and making absolutely sure that it lines up And then if you have the gift like we had of the former member of this uh, congregation, she would have the gift of writing to me during the week and explaining exactly where I, 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 I deviated. Or at that point, we used to have two services, and she would uh, tell me why and how I deviated from the first service to the second service, and could I please explain that, Uh, which I I never did because I never really knew that I deviated. But anyway, that's part of the fun of your devotions for the week. I'm just giving you a heads up. So the story goes like this. So you've got an unlikely uh, start of the story because typically you you fall in love or you fall in favor or you side with the person that's telling the story, or the, the the people group that is getting favor in the story. And uh, this story starts off with uh, Aramean a king, uh, and it's coming from his perspective, or from God's perspective uh, of what he's done. But the problem with this is they are enemies of Israel. And uh, in very short measure, without any explanation, the story goes and tells about how this uh, king has conquered Israel, uh, the chosen people. And uh, as what happens in any war in those days is you capture the people. And the one uh, poor woman that's been captured, uh, she is now a slave or a servant to the general. And it's his wife, actually, she's the general's wife's uh, servant, and uh, the, you, 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 we realize in pretty short measure that the general is like a really super good guy, and uh, the king of this, you know, the kings in those days were kings of like a, a town or a village or an area. They weren't like kings of huge countries. In this case, it would be a little city or town, a king uh, or an area. And uh, the king really likes his general, and his name is Naham. And uh, so he's really uh, deeply dist- distressed that Naham, being this awesome general, is suffering from a skin disease, leprosy. And so uh, the slave girl, Israeli slave girl, she obviously picks up that the guy can get healed and that he's really a good guy, and she mentions to him, look, uh, why don't you go down and see this English, this, this prophet uh, from Israel and uh, he'll pray for you. And the story is just full of little details like yeah, the prophet actually, actually isn't hanging out in Jerusalem. He's hanging out in Samaria, which again isn't the center of the, the Jewish uh, uh, kingdom. Uh, and he says, if you go see this guy, his name's Elisha. You know, he'll pray for you and you'll get healed. And so the king says, oh, this is a cool idea. I mean, we've run out of options. Uh, You know, let's do it. Uh, and so he does it in the most uh, dignified way of the time, following all the customs of the day, which is, you know, I'll write you a letter and uh, I'll give you this letter to give to that king as an introduction. So there's no surprises that this is an official visit and not any of that. I'm just going to give you so much money and clothing. I mean, the amount of money is actually like ridiculous. I mean, it's like ridiculous, ridiculous. I mean, it's like, I don't know, like a $100 million that he's taking with to just like appease this king for this healing, right? And he loads his donkey up with gold and silver and, and new clothes, and he heads down there. And uh, then he gets down to the king of, of Israel, and the king of Israel is like totally mad. He's like, oh, Mark, this guy's just picking a fight with me. I mean, who does he think I am? He sends this guy down here and tells me to be, you know, I must heal him. And who does he think I am? I'm not God. I can't heal the guy. This is just a cover for a fight. Okay, so not going down too well. The guy's doing everything he can. And the king of uh, Israel is feeling pretty insecure and a real jerk. And, and it's not good. But then finally, the prophet Elisha, he hears about it and he says, Look, just send the guy over to me and I'll I'll pray for him and he'll be healed. Which I mean just think of that as a statement. And uh, so the king with no other like options thing, so that's a great idea. Let me send him to Elisha. And then this very dignified general goes over with the whole entourage and the money and the introduction letter, and uh, Elisha doesn't even come out. He doesn't even like no politeness, no nothing. It's just like, yeah, I just tell that guy to go for a dip in the Jordan seven times, and he'll be healed and be done with. And and like the general's just like really ticked off. He's like, I mean, can't you even come out and like greet me like just like a normal human being? I mean, I don't know if you've ever come across pastors or prophet guys, they kind of some of them are kind of weird, you know. It's like, just like, can you just be normal? Anyway, this guy ain't Elisha ain't normal. I mean, he's not no courtesy, no politeness, no, and uh. And finally, Nahum is like being insulted so many different ways. He's like sick of it. He's like, I'm out of here. I'm done with Israel. I'm done with these weird prophets. I'm done with these weird people. I'm just, I'm like, I've never been so insulted. Like, let's just leave. And then his posse of people around him said, whoa, 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 wait, wait. If this guy had to come out... And he had been like really polite and really nice. And he gave you something really difficult to do. Like go climb that mountain 10 times on your hands and your knees. And don't even try and walk and put, you know, load on your back and make it really difficult. You would have done it because it was really difficult. But he's telling you to do something that's like super easy. I mean, just jump in the river seven times. And why not just try it? And I don't know. Somehow the guy like softens it. Like, yeah, oh, it's the most ridiculous thing in the world. He said, we've got much better rivers In Damascus, they're much cleaner. They're not stinky like this one. They're bigger, they're deeper, they're better in every which way. But okay, let's just like do it. So he goes down the river and uh, seven times and comes out. Oh my gosh, he's healed. Uh, It's just like incredible. Then he does something which is totally countercultural. I mean, this story is just, like I said, just an awesome story. He does something totally countercultural. He is so thankful that he's healed that he actually goes back and gives thanks. I mean, just Nobody does that. So he goes back and he gives thanks. And he's like, really grateful. And he's just going back to, you know, his hometown, Aramir. And, and he's just like super excited. And he's just so grateful. He's healed. He's heading home. And then Elisha's servant, he's like, wait a bit. I got an opportunity here to make a whole bunch of cash. He was, came down here with like loads and loads of cash. And Elisha wouldn't accept any of it. I mean the guy was begging Elisha, can I please pay you? Can I please honor you? Can I please thank you? And Elisha was like, I don't want any of it. Nothing. So Gehazi, he's like, wait a bit, let me secretly rush out of this guy, catch him in the wilderness, and tell him that Elisha actually does want some payment. Uh, but he like minimizes, he just wants about 15 to 30 million. He's not taking the whole load. I mean, he's not greedy, just you know, enough to see him. A, you know, the equivalent Bible time would be 300 years of wages is what he's asking him. But just see how much money this guy was getting. So, of course, you know, the guy's just been healed. Sure, no problem. Here it is, 15 million bucks. You know, just take it, gold and silver. And so Gehazi heads, heads back, and uh, he's feeling pretty happy. He hides it, of course. Whenever you do something that's sinful or illegal or secretive, you know, he hides it. And then he meets Elisha, and Elisha says, Gehazi, uh where were you the other day? I kind of noticed you uh, like taking some money from this guy you know, like busted. And he said, yeah, yeah. And uh, actually, by the way, now you're going to get his sickness and you'll be uh, full of leprosy. And looks like, ah, he's full of leprosy. I mean, you would not expect that story to be in the Bible. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just wonderful. Now, if you've got an insert, why don't you open it? Because I do actually want to Uh, pressing on a whole bunch of points here. I've got six questions uh, that we should be urgently asking God. And uh, I do actually relate this to my topic, being refreshed by God, not being bored with church. Because, you know, in one way or another, Gehazi got bored with with God. He kind of missed the point. He wasn't, like, infatuated with God. He wasn't worshiping God. He wasn't saying, how can I serve you, God? He wasn't saying, how can I learn from uh, Elisha? He was just like, oh, well, you know, yeah, the guy got healed, but how can I make a buck, and what's in it for me? And so I think we've got a few things, too, that we could ask ourselves about this. The first one is, who in my circle, who in in my circles are you reaching out to? Uh, You know, these would be uh, questions we should be asking And we should be asking God, God, like, who in my circles do you want me to reach out to? And let's just start here with church. You know, if you come into church every week and your prayer is, God, who do you want me to reach out to? Who do you want me to speak to? Uh, Who do you want me to pray for? Uh, Who do you want me to just, like, ask them how they're doing, express interest in them? I guarantee you, just with that, you will never get bored with church. And for the simple reason that people are very, very interesting. And people are all different. And there's a multiple layers of like interest that we can have if we express interest in others. But if our interest is only in ourselves, we will get bored. We'll just say, like, okay, there's like, the same old thing. It's Rob wearing the same old shirt, the same old jeans, and he's saying the same old stuff. It's just that old Bible stuff again and again. And you know, I know the story. I've read the Bible a bunch of times. It's just like... Wait. If you ask the question, God, how can you, how can I be used by you today? Who do you want me to uh, be noticing that you're working with? I tell you, church will always be interesting, but I think it's even bigger than that. I think God is asking us that question that we should be asking Him: Who in society, who in our workplace, is He working with? Uh, you know. He, let me just read this. Um, uh, make sure that I'm getting the story, more or less, the way I said it. Second Kings uh, five one, the king of Aram had great admiration for Nahum, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord, had given, Aram great victories. But through Naham, but though Naham was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. Here's God saying, "Listen, I'm actually interested." in non-Jewish people. I know I had the promised land. I know I had a promise to the Jewish people. But the purpose of the Jewish people was to live the life that God wanted them to live, which would be so joyful, so meaningful, that they would become the light of the world and others would be drawn to them and to their God. That was the point. The point was not that the Jewish people would go to the Jewish uh, holy land and just live it up, drink it up, and, you know, Blow it all, which is what they did do. And so what God does is says, look, I am still interested in the whole world. I am still interested in reaching people and other nations. And he has a great example where God is showing special favor to, you know, another group of people which are traditionally enemies of the uh, Israelites. So king of Aram. And then we see again the upside downness of the story where in verse 2, at this time the Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel and won. And among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Nahum's wife as a maid. You know, I think God is asking all of us, Uh, let's not get bored with God, let's get on God's program, and let's see who is God trying to reach and who is He trying to bless, and let's ask God that question on a regular basis. And then when we come across people in our workplace, taxi drivers, wherever we we encounter people, we, we sort of got this going in the back of our mind, like, God, are you at work here? Is there something you want me to say? Is there something that you want me to bless these people? Do I need to pray for them? Do I need to express interest in them? Uh, what is it that you're doing, and what's my involvement in it? Uh, and I think if we can do that, uh, we will be mightily blessed. Now, back to church, uh, I think if we express an interest in other people, we will be mightily blessed. One of the huge blessings of church is there are lots of people that aren't like you. Uh, you know, one of the blessings of this particular church is that there are a lot of people that aren't like you. I mean, I don't speak like you, unfortunately. I've been trying for 30 years. I, I've just given up. I'm never going to speak like you. I'm just always going to stick out and be different. I don't like that fact. I'm just stuck with that fact. But there are a lot of people in this church that are different to you. It's, you know, you can see that as being really frustrating, or you can see that as being a real blessing. For me, it's a real blessing. I mean, people come from Europe, from Africa, from, you know, South America, and we say, you are welcome here. We have one common interest, and that's Jesus and uh, living in the kingdom. And through that diversity, uh, there is a richness. Uh, You know, what I would never want our church to be is like an echo chamber because in an echo chamber, everybody just agrees with everybody. You all agree politically, yeah, Donald Trump, he's just the greatest guy, I mean, I'm so glad he's different, you know, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I think he's just great, uh, you know, or he's the worst guy, and, you know, I can't believe that he'd be president, and everybody, oh, yeah, he's just the worst. or, you know, when it comes to church, it's like, we're all white, and we're all middle-aged, and that's just great, yeah, 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 no, we, please, we need, like, people have, like, different views, like, you know, just express it differently, but in a loving way. Uh we don't want to all be exactly the same. We do not want to be an echo chamber. We don't need a whole audience where everybody just says, I agree, I agree. That would be extremely boring and monotonous. I am so grateful that we have the diversity in this church. I am grateful that we have rich people and poor people sitting next to each other. I am grateful that we have great sinners in this church and great saints. And all the great saints know we're all great sinners. You know, it's like you're all welcome. I'm, I'm glad that some of you really dress nicely and some of you like come in your teddy jeans and you know, the shirt that was in fashion 20 years ago. I'm just really grateful that you feel comfortable just showing up the way you show up. I, I really am. I mean, there's something rich and awesome when we experience people and what makes them tick and, and, and what gives them life. And God wants us to be part of that process, just enjoying his people. So, The point I'm trying to make in the first point is that God seems to bless the wrong people. God seems to be interested in the wrong people, the Arameans. The second point I want to make is, where can I join you in working where the Holy Spirit is working? What is, you know, and I've kind of been blending these two points together, but let me just read uh, 2 Kings 5, 4 through 7. So Nahum told the king what the young girl from Israel said, go and visit the prophet. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, am I God that I can give life and take it away? Good question, because obviously the answer is no. And obviously he shouldn't have been carrying that weight and responsibility. He should have been a representative of God and said, it's not up to me, it's up to God. That would have been the right response. Why is this man asking me to heal somebody with leprosy? Well, obviously, because he has leprosy and somebody has sent you to him to be healed. So why not give it a go? That would be the right answer. I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. When the king of Israel read the letter of verse 7, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, Am I God that I can give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal somebody with leprosy? I can see he's just trying to pick a fight with me. Imagine if the king's response had been the, the godly response, would it be, which would have been, Wow, here is a stranger from another country who's actually just beat us up in battle. I have an awesome opportunity to make a friend out of an enemy. I have an opportunity to introduce my enemy to the living God. And this enemy is right in my like neighborhood. He's coming to visit me. He's coming to seek me out. And not only just anybody, it's the general. It's the main guy. And I have this great opportunity to have him experience the love of God. And he's coming for healing. I mean, can't, we, can't the king appeal to God for, for healing for this guy? Instead of just feeling totally inadequate. And this is where you and I can relate. It's like often people will come to us and it's like, who am I? I'm not God. No, we're not God. But we're God's representatives. We can point people to God. There's no problem that God can't handle. Uh, And we get overwhelmed pretty quickly. And our job is to just point them to Jesus. Just point them to Jesus. You are not supposed to be Jesus. You're just supposed to point people to Jesus. And if Jesus heals them, awesome. If Jesus doesn't heal them, I'm sorry. But, you know, people can still experience being loved and appreciated if we'll point them to Jesus. That's our job. So the third point I want to make here is is this. Is there someone I could learn from that you have gifted and anointed? You know, let me just read this text, 2 Kings 5.8. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Nahum to me. Now, I don't know about you, but I would have loved to have hung out with Elisha. I think this is just so cool. I would have loved to have seen, okay, Elisha, what is going through your brain? Uh... You know, the questions I would have wanted to ask Elisha would be something like this. Elisha, are you just so cocky about this because everybody God sends you, you heal? Or, Elisha, did God give you a message in advance and saying this is going to happen and this is what you need to do? Or, Elisha, are you just like so like upset with the king that he's, you know, bumbled a, a great opportunity that you'll take it on? Or... Elisha, how the heck do you do this anyway? Is your faith just so like incredible that you can do this? And if that's the case, Elisha, how do you have this incredible faith? I mean, all I'm saying is this. There's something about hanging out with people that are experts in what they do. And when you do, you learn a lot from them. And, uh, you know, when it comes to faith, I mean, there are a lot of people that are really do faith really well. You know, some people are just incredible prayers. Other people just seem to have a gift, an anointing for whatever it is that they do. Maybe it's evangelism. Maybe it's drawing. Maybe it's art. Maybe it's dance. Maybe it's worship. I mean, whole slew of different talents. And if you're interested in any one of those things, the best way you can learn is to hang out with them. And, you know, if you've got any interest in God and you're trying to explore what makes you tick and what, what things you're interested in, I mean, being in a small group with a person that you want to learn from is a great way of doing it. And so I think, you know, we should be asking God, what is it that you've gifted me in? And who can I hang out with? And how can I learn from that person? And if we do that, I think it'll go really well for us. And church is a great place to do that. Uh, you know, you can't hang out with your television screen with the great evangelist. I mean, you might, Learn how to get money and a whole bunch of other things and stuff, but you're not able to like hang out with them and like go for lunch. And whereas if you're in a small group with somebody, you get to know them and you realize pretty quickly like the most anointed people and awesome people in our church also come with a huge amount of flaws and problems, just like Elisha. Uh, You know, there's just a lot happening there that, that we, you know, we can realize that people can be totally human but also totally anointed. And there's something for us to learn in this. The other thing that you might uh, kind of pick up here you know there's uh, there's an interesting there's an interesting part of the story that through archaeological discovery gives us a little bit of an insight uh elisha seems to be treating this visitor a little roughly you know he doesn't go out and meet him and greet him the way you should meet him greet but there's a a chance that elisha has got a bigger agenda here instead of trying to be nice to the visitor. Elisha realizes what's going to happen. He realizes that this guy is going to get healed. And Elisha is also smart enough to say, you know what, the glory belongs to the Lord. And if I don't get in the way, then I don't get any of the credit. And so Elisha does something which is uh, seemingly rude culturally. But actually, it's honoring to God. And we we pick up that this is indeed the case because when the general wants to pay him back after he's been healed, he says, I'll give you all this money. And Elisha's like, I don't want the money. And the guy's like begging him, look, take the money. I just want to give thanks. Nope, it's not about the money. And uh, he's fixated on the fact that this is about God and about God getting the glory. There's also one of these things which uh, we, we've also picked up through archaeological discover- discovery because in that time they found, uh, you know, things on, on vases and on walls where the way people would uh, do healing in those days is that the holy man would come and he'd like wave his hands over the person and uh, chant something or say some phrase and and then supposedly the person would be healed. Uh and so there was an expectation like many coming into church today. It's like, you know, if you're coming in for healing, it's like, I don't know what your expectation is or what you've learned from televangelists or healers or other churches. But we come in with a preconceived uh, idea of what should happen. And if it doesn't happen that way, we feel a little bit uncomfortable. Or maybe if it happens the way we think it should happen, we feel uncomfortable because it's weird. But There was a cultural norm outside of Judaism, outside of what God's holy people were experiencing, where they would have these holy men like wave their hands over somebody and, you know, say stuff. And so, you know, Nahum coming into town, he's just saying, well, that's what I'm expecting to happen. And then when he says go down to the Jordan River, there was actually a, a custom that people would go into the river, not necessarily the Jordan, any old river, and you'd go face downstream and you go down seven times, and then you face upstream and you go down, up and down seven times. And then the thinking was all your impurities would be taken by the water and go into the underworld. So Nahum is showing up and he's saying, that's all I'm expecting. I'm just expecting like this religious dude to do the religious thing that religious people are supposed to do, and he doesn't do it. But Elisha's one step ahead of him. And he's saying, I'm not trying to be rude. Uh, I'm not trying to be a weirdo. I'm trying to make sure that God gets honored. And I need to get out of the way for God to be, like, made famous. And in the end of the story, you know, God is made famous except for Gehazi, like, screwing it all up. The leader of the vineyard movement, John Wimber, uh, he used to, you know, he was like a musician that used to play in all these famous places and he used to be a drug addict before he became a believer. And, you know, so he was super com- comfortable with people, like ordinary people. And then when he became like a believer and God like turned his life around and transformed it, he had a wonderful mixture of being super holy and anointed, but super in touch of who he used to be. And so he'd have all these like little phrases. and And, you know, all of us today as pastors, we all repeat these phrases because they were so like true or so catchy and it's even even now as I'm about to repeat some of these phrases that John coined it's like man John's been dead for a long time I mean you know he died in the late 1990s and why am I going to quote John but I quote him because they were just so cool like one of his phrases was people would regularly come to John and complain you know John you know we're not getting enough meat you need to feed us and you know your teaching needs to be you need more meat and John was like an unbelievably great Bible teacher And John would have this really cool saying. He said, you know, the meat is in the street. And he'd walk away. And people would say, what? The meat is in the street? And John would say, yeah, if you just take the word of God, which is the meat, and actually do it, and do it out there in the street, like represent God out there, you will be really fed. And you will really grow as a believer. But if you just come to church and just listen and listen and listen and don't do anything and don't have your life transformed and you don't obey the word, you'll just never grow. So John just used to often have this phrase, the meat is in the streets. So as soon as people complain, you're not feeding me enough, the meat is in the street. You know, it's just, it's just a great expression. But the other one that there was a great expression, and I, and I want to finish with this one, is God would, uh, John would always say, listen, pastors, I want to warn you about something. Uh, and uh, he would say, it's not about the gold, it's not about the glory, and it's not about the girls. Now, I realize that time has passed, and... Maybe I shouldn't say girls. It should maybe be like it's not about the glory, it's not about the gold, and it's not about sex, but it just doesn't rhyme. So, you know, glory, gold, girls go much nicer. But here was the problem with Gehazi, right? The problem with Gehazi is he fell for one of the old, old, old temptations that you and I and pastors and leaders are always being tempted by. It's either the gold, which is what Gehazi fell by. It's like, I can make a buck out of this religious thing, you know, he has a guy, he has an opportunity, I can make a buck, that's a huge temptation, or it's all about glory, I'll be famous, you know, which Elisha did so wonderfully, like deflecting, so he didn't become famous, Uh, or it's all about, you know, girls, you know, just Adultery and sexual problems. I mean, these are the oldest temptations in the world. And here we see Gehazi, you know, falling by. He's bored with God. He's bored with everything. And he falls for the, the temptation that he should never have, uh, have have fallen with. But anyway, let me just read Psalm 1611, uh, this one verse. Will you show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of of living with you forever. If we can get in our mind that by being in church, by connecting with God, God wants to give us the joy and the pleasure that is really pure and is really what we actually really crave and what we really, really need. And don't fall for false short-term pleasure, be it the gold the glory, or the girls—it It is pleasurable. It is attraction. It is natural desire. But it's a short-term joy and desire. Go for the real deal. Go for God. Go for Jesus. Uh, Let Jesus be the person that fills you. Let the Holy Spirit be the spirit that guides you and puts meaning into your life and makes your personal place and your personal walk and your personal people the things that's significant in your life. And you will get the joy that you really are looking for. Who in this story do you, do you identify with? Do you identify with being a foreigner, being an outsider, being not part of the in-group? Maybe God's speaking to you and saying, you know what? You're in the in-group. you welcome in this place. Maybe you identify with Elisha and you just say, look, God, I, I just want to be like Elisha. I want to be used. I want to serve you. I'm I'm asking for your Ability and your anointing, good. Maybe you identify with Gehazi, and you 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 you've gotten bored with church, and God is saying, "Look, it's not good. Change your focus. Get back on track, following me." Uh, You know, God is speaking to all of us. He's basically saying, and I I just so love John ten ten. You know, God's desire is to give us a rich and rewarding life. The enemy's desire is to rob, steal, and destroy. There's no in between. You either willingly accept God and go His track and go for a rich and rewarding life, which comes with living and obeying God, or intentionally, or in most cases totally unintentionally, you do what you think is your own thing. You go for the glory, you go for the gold, you go for the girls, and you're really being part of Satan's plan, and he's going to rob, steal, and destroy. Your life will become less than what it would be if you were with the Lord. So choose God. I mean, I'm urging you, choose God. You know, walk with God. Walk with God's people. I know we're a weird bunch. I know we all look and act and behave differently. That's church. That's that, the awesomeness of church. You can either see it as being like, this is awful, awful uh, or you can see it as being really awesome. Uh, I mean, see what God is doing, and he's doing it in people. and He's doing it through people, and he wants to do it through you. So, Lord God, I just pray. I pray for your people. Lord, I pray for a blessing today, Lord, that we can take your word, and Lord, we can have it be embedded in our heart, and Lord, that your Holy Spirit will stir it up in us, and Lord, you will give us direction, you will lead us, you will connect us to the right people. Lord, we will find joy and fulfillment as we do life your way, with your people, in your timing. Thank you, Jesus. I just pray for every person here, for every burden that they carry. And, Lord, we just choose now to worship you. And, Lord, to fix our eyes on you and to focus on you and to lift you up. And, Lord, for the next, you know, half hour or whatever, Lord, we just choose to put our eyes on you and and get them off ourselves. And, Lord, we just know that indirectly as we do that, you bless us and you fill us, and you restore us, and you renew us. We thank you, Lord, that you died not only for us individually, but for your church. And Lord, we thank you for the institution of your church, your people, your word, your place, with your presence. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, we just welcome your Holy Spirit again. Just move among us. In your name. Amen. Why don't we stand and why don't you have the worship team come on up?